Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ben, and in this episode of the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast, we're talking with a pitmaster who's taken his love of barbecue and combined it with his skills in boiler making to start a business making drum smokers that are every bit as good as the fancy imported ones. Hey family, I hope you're well wherever you are and you got that thin blue smoke rolling. This is episode 115 of the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast. And before we get into talking with our guests today, I've just got a couple of announcements that I'm going to run past you. First of all, some big news. Meat and Fire Media Services has officially launched. We're taking all the things that we do here at Smoking Hot Confessions and making those services available to other businesses who are looking to build their brand and engage more customers. We're kicking things off with our very first online course, Brand Building Through Strategic Media Marketing. In this course, we'll take you through the exact systems, strategies, and tools that we use here to promote Smoking Hot Confessions. The lessons are videos with downloadable worksheets and transcripts to make sure we've got everybody's learning styles covered. And as a launch special, we want to give all you podcast listeners a 25% discount on this course. So if you're ready to take social media marketing seriously, head on over to meetandfiremediaservices.com slash allcourses and use the code word podcast at checkout to get that 25% discount. Now, if you would like to help us out and you're watching this episode and, you're, and, and you've been enjoying the show, it would really help us out if you could give us a like and a share on Facebook. If you're watching on YouTube, give it a thumbs up, a subscribe and hit that notification bell. If you're watching on IGTV, give us that cute little heart and a follow. And if you're listening on a podcast app, hit us up with a five-star review and a rating. It only takes a minute of your time, but it really helps us out so much. Now, in today's episode, we are talking with a pitmaster who truly, madly, deeply fell in love with competition barbecue. And inspired by the outstanding quality of the imported drum smokers, he set about building his own right here in Australia. He's now running one of the most popular smoker manufacturing businesses in the country, is renowned for creating drum smokers that are every bit as good as the important ones, is renowned for importing drum smokers, is renowned for creating drum smokers that are every bit as good as the imported ones, and he has quite a flair for customization, proving a hit on the competition circuit. Today, we're talking to Drew from Drew BQ. So in today's episode, we're going to get Drew's introduction to the barbecue scene. We're going to find out about his experiences in competition barbecue, and we're, then we're going to get into the actual smoker company, into Drew BQ. We're going to find out why he decided to start a drum smoker company. We're going to find out what sets his drums apart from the competition. And really interestingly, we're going to learn about the innovations that he's come up with. I've seen some of the things he's done. It's really fascinating stuff. And then we're going to finish up. Drew's going to give us a lesson on the best practices for using a drum smoker. Now, drum smokers are becoming more and more popular in the whole barbecue scene as a as a community at at this time. So getting these tips and these techniques for how to best use a drum smoker is going to be really important. So without further ado, let's get stuck into this episode. This is the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast with your host, Ben Arnott. How long has it been since your last confession? Alrighty, Drew, thank you very much for joining me in the confessional today. How are you? Yeah, I'm pretty good, Ben. Yourself? Mate, it has been a great day today. I'm technically on holidays, so I thought, well, hey, let's have some barbecue chats. Ah, awesome, mate. Awesome. We're just down in Sydney and it's uh, raining this afternoon, so. It's been pretty wet up here the last few days as well. I think we're getting hit all up and down the East Coast. We need it. 
We definitely do. Yeah, yeah. So let's kick things off with uh, the first question that I like to ask everybody. What was the last thing that you barbecued? Yeah, brisket, I believe. No, beef ribs. Beef ribs. Nice one. What do you like about beef ribs? Well, they taste better than brisket, in my opinion. Uh, They're easier to cook. The only downfall is you've got a big bone in you've got to pay for. Yeah, that is a bit of a downside. It is always sort of heartbreaking to sort of slice that meat off the bone and feel the weight of the meat and feel the weight of the bone and go, oh. <laughs> yeah, or as it as it cooks, it starts to shrink and shrink and shrink. You're like, where's it all going? And you've got this big bone left over. <laughs> yeah, no, they're, they're a favorite here as well. So you obviously, uh, you're, you're a drum man. Do you cook on drums exclusively at home or do you have something else hiding on the back deck there? Uh, no, exclusively drums. Now I, I used to have all the other types of things, pellet cookers and Webers and offsets and that type of stuff. But now it's just solely drums. Rightio. Yeah, cool. So let's, let's uh, back things up a bit then before we get to those drums. Mm-hmm. You, you mentioned that you did used to have all the other barbecues there. Where did it all yeah. start for you? How did you get into barbecue? Um, well, like low and slow type of barbecue was probably about five years ago. And my brother-in-law at the time bought a Weber. And I was like, oh, this thing's great. And I, I looked and looked and looked, and I was going to buy a brand new Weber. And my friend's like, I think I got one underneath the house. So he came around one day and it had a cover on it and had a table type of thing. He's like, it's been on there for ages. Dad's passed and you know, you can have it if you want it. And I was like, oh, okay. So I gave him $50, not knowing what I had in my hands at the time, but it turned out to be a blue Weber with a table and I don't know what model, but it was very old. I was like, okay. So the first thing I did was um, drilled a hole in the lid <gasps> and put this jumbuck square gauge in the lid because I didn't have a lid, you know? Oh, no. It wasn't even in the center. I drilled it off to the side. Oh. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, we cooked on that for a long, long time. And the first thing I cooked was a whole um, rump. I was throwing wood chips after wood chips on it, like, you know, smoke and train. And then this is going to be great. And it wasn't, it was rubbish. <laughs> it was absolutely rubbish. I was like, the people on the internet are mad. Why would you eat this stuff? Uh, but we've all been there. So more research, more research and got slightly better at it. And the rest is history, I suppose. But yeah, I ended up selling that Weber uh, this year, the start of this year for about $300. Oh, nice. Yeah, but a guy on our team, Chris, is a Weber fanatic. And when he's seen it, he was sacrilege, absolute sacrilege. (laughs) I was about to say that um, all the Weber fans listening to this podcast out there now are are just screaming at their their phones, going, what are you doing? Yeah, exactly. I put it to good use. I had a great fun with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no no worries at all. So, Mm. um. Where did it go from there? So you you had that Weber, you uh, you had that first shocking cook. Um, where did you sort of progress through from there? Um, I bought an Audi gas smoker, you know, the upright ones. Are the, they're rebadged cooler bars, aren't they? Or, yeah, or, or yeah, co-developed or, or something? Or, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I got one of them, did some cooking on that. And I wanted to make an offset. Didn't know you could buy them at like, I don't think barbecue galore had them at the time. I think it was like Hark was like the only ones bringing them in. So I was like, I'll make one out of a drum. You know, it should be fine. I didn't know how to weld. So I bought a 
shit welder off eBay and it was a nightmare. But anyway, I, I built like this offset looking drum and used recycled pallets, hardwood pallets to make a nice table for it. And it was okay. Like it did the job. I, you know, you can cook on anything. It's not the materials you have type of thing. And I actually used to take that and the gas smoker out to markets and do Drubicue pulled pork. I swear that it all sort of started the name and that was cool. And I'd sell out in two or three hours and then off I'd go home. It was, it was really cool. But so you found that the, uh, that, that, that market model worked well for you. Yeah. It's just sell one thing and that's pulled pork, put it on a piece of bread and off you go. And so that's where the Drubicue name basically started. Yeah. That's an interesting uh, approach. Just sort of keeping that, that menu super simple. There's a guy, um, He's near the border of Texas and Louisiana and all he does is ribs. And he's got this oh, okay. he's got this one smoker. He is famous for these ribs. These ribs are just mouthwatering. All he does is ribs. That's all you can get is just pork ribs. Doesn't do sides, nothing else, just pork ribs. And he is sold out with lines around the block day in, day out. Yeah, I, I seen that sort of method when I was in Perth. I was on the Kings Park, I think it is there on the, on the river. And it was Australia Day thing and there was people everywhere. There was food tents all set up, lines everywhere. And I was waiting in this one line to get, I think it was just hamburger chips or something simple like that. And it just was not moving. And then a couple of food stores down, the line was just moving, moving, moving. I don't even know what they were selling. But I'm, like, I'm getting in that line and I'm just getting whatever they get. So I get all the way up to the front. And then I see all they sell is jerk chicken. That's it. No <laughs> drinks, no chips, nothing. It's just jerk chicken. And I went, this is great, you know? So I used that in my Drubicue pulled pork and went from there. And how good was that jerk chicken? I was, I was drunk, so it was pretty good. <laughs> it, was pretty, it was spicy, actually. It was really spicy. <laughs> awesome, yeah. Jerk chicken is one of my absolute favourite things. <laughs> So what um what was your is your favorite uh, thing to barbecue? Everything, everything. <laughs> now chicken's pretty good because it's cheap, but just anything really. It's a cook to please the people around me. I reckon that's if they're loving it, then that's something good to cook. Yeah, good call on that one. Yeah. So do you find that your family is uh, is more sort of beef oriented or lamb or pork or? Uh, Oh, chicken, because that's what I feed a lot of them. So it's, I love chicken wings and I can't get enough of it. I think my record is nearly 30 chicken wings in one sitting. Wow. That's, that's, yeah, now is that, is that like whole as in both pieces or 30 pieces? That flat and a drum, no tips. Ah, don't want the tips, rubbish. Right. That is quite an achievement. <laughs> yeah, it's just like two and a half kilos or something like that. Yeah. What's your favorite style then? Is it? Like, do you do all jerk chicken wings? Awesome. I haven't really, but what I've been thinking about lately is doing like a like a chili lime chicken wing, but fried, smoked, smoked then fried, whatever, shredded on pizza. That's a nice oh, I idea. Get a shredded on tattoo. pizza. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get a little drummy on one side and a wing head on the other. Yeah. I've got a cookbook up here behind uh, up here behind me. It's um. I'll just grab it. Yeah. Completely uh, un, un, unsponsored plug here. It's the Great Aussie Barbie Cookbook by Kim Tarakis. There is a jerk chicken wing recipe in that that is to die for. It is, it is one of my favourite things to cook. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I will, yeah. 
jerk chicken something I really want to get into because that's like a whole nother subculture in itself. But I have something I haven't really cooked a lot of. And I love chicken, so they will have to be on the cards. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing that there. So now, um, something that uh, that my listeners know about me is that I have blown up two barbecues and nearly burnt down my house twice. It seems to be a lesson I, that I had to learn two times. Um, ha- have you ever had a barbecue disaster? Um, I did have an electric heat gun once that I was using to start charcoal, which caught on fire because I was inside prepping the meat. Um, it's not much of a problem, but I've had my uh, GMG pellet grill moving that, that tipped over on its side. Ooh. Yeah. So I've had things like that. At one comp we had, we had a 20 inch horizon offset or loading into the trailer and it slid down the trailer and pinned my teammate Jeff up against the back of the trailer. Oh my God. What are they like? 350 kilos, 400 yeah. kilos or something like that. And then that was think meat stock one year and then Port Macquarie the same year, lifting it onto the trailer, it slid off the, the ramp of the trailer and the wheel landed on his toe and just turned it black and blue. It was just mush. Wow. So we're like, oh, maybe we shouldn't be carrying this thing all around the countryside. That sounds like you got the, got the Christine of barbecues. <laughs> yeah. So, but no, I have not burnt the house down with barbecues, but I've done a lot of silly things when I was young. So. Yeah, just nearly crushed a couple of your mates. Yeah, yeah. So, what was your um? What, what was the first cook that you felt like you really nailed it? Um, I know, really, I can't remember. It's been so many good ones all over the years, and so many good meals. Like I've eaten from everywhere. I don't know. Alrighty, cool. I don't remember. <laughs> So you you mentioned your your competition team there before and some of your competition experiences. I can see a banner in the background there says Wild West Barbecue. Is that your team? Yeah, it actually that was from Parramatta, and it actually said Will West Barbecue. Oh, okay. And my teammate Jeff's like, how do they get that wrong? We're not putting that up. And so I just coloured in the last L to make a D. And I kept it because it's a bit of a funny story. So, yeah, Wild West Barbecue is our team. We're still going as well. So we're planning on going to the Royal this year, but I don't think that's happening. Ooh, to the Royal. Mm-hmm. Wow. Bit of a bucket list thing, yeah. So did you guys win a GC to get that invite? How did you, uh, how did you get nah, to that? No, nah, no, nah, not the invite one. The, um, what's it called? Because <sighs> you have the Royal... The invitational and what's the other one? The non-invitational or something like that. I'm um, I'm not familiar. Yeah, maybe we're not too sure. Maybe the co- actual name of the comp's wrong, but we're planning to go to the states. So, oh, okay. We booked that in. We booked that in January, and coronavirus wasn't really that big. But I was watching it, and so I was talking to the flight center lady. It's like, what about like this coronavirus or this virus? You think that's going to be big? You know, she's like, ah, what is that? And I was talking to her. She said, ah, don't worry about that. It's nothing. So anyway, a couple of weeks later, it's like the world's just dead and <laughs> coronavirus everywhere. So I wish I could go back there and say, hey, I told you so. Yeah. Yeah. I think I booked my tickets to the States on January 22 and on January 23, the WHO declared it as an international pandemic. Mm. It's like, ah. So I was listening to a podcast yesterday. I think it might've been one of them other famous radio station style podcasts in the States. 
And they were talking about the comp that we were looking at going to, and they're saying it's they're still going to go along with it, but everyone else says it's probably not going to happen. Yeah, I think that is um, the Royal because Memphis in May has been put off till next Camp, year now. Yeah. Um, they were going to try and move that to October, but they decided to pull the plug on that and just say, no, we'll just do that 2021. Um, the Jack, I think, was the other one that's been put off to 2021, mm, and there's just the definite. Royal left. They're just trying to decide yeah. what they're going to do with it. They moved it to like Kansas Speedway or something. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's quite interesting. The um, the approach there seems to be business as usual. Let's let let's go ahead, but then you keep seeing these competitions put off. So I think it's uh, yeah, it's just kind of a play it by ear scenario right now. Yeah, yeah, that's exit. Yeah. So who's on your team? Tell us about how you how you got that team together. Um, I actually responded to an ad on the ABA page. Uh, teammate um, Jeff Bracanto. I think that's his last name. Bracanto. Uh, he uh, he put an ad out on ABA page. I just want to start a team. He lived a couple of suburbs over, so we met up at this barbecue joint that was pretty horrible. It's no longer around. It was me and Adrian Lapano Le- from Butterbeard. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So it was really weird. It was like a job interview. It was like weird, but so anyway. I got picked and Adrian, I think had kids on the way and he was like, oh, I can't, I can't do this now. And, uh, maybe I should have went with Adrian cause they've done quite well. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, it's fine. We, we got, got some call ups and we've had a great time. So yeah. Um, that was maybe four years ago and we've just been cooking ever since. And we've had a new teammate come along to help share the expenses. Uh, Chris, He's in the team. He floats in and out. He's got, you know, kids and family and that type of stuff. So he's got to maintain that. So he doesn't come to all of them, but he's a great help. And then we have in some blow-ins like my uncle and his daughter come in and help with the dishes and unpacking and stuff like that. So, oh, that's good. Sounds like you got quite a quite a flexible team like I do when I when I like to compete. I um I, I jokingly call it the gypsy team because no no competition is ever the same same group of people. Yeah, it's, it's good. It's all about having fun. Like we're serious. We try and win trophies, and ha- but the main thing is having fun. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, okay, so I guess then the the you you cook all your all your competition dishes on on drums. What's what's mm-hmm. been your 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 most successful competition hand in? Uh, brisket, I think, probably our most consistent. So normally we're in the top 10 when we cook a brisket. So pretty consistent with that. And other things are hit and miss like chicken and ribs are pretty hit and miss, but we tweak it and it's, we can slowly see it going up the graph. We're getting better and better. Well, that's good stuff, man. That's good. So you're, you're constantly refining, always, always progressing. Mm. Always learning, consuming information from everywhere and, and just you know, walking our own path, but listening from everything else. Got a project you'd like to work on with the SHC team? Shoot Ben an email on ben at smokinghotconfessions.com and let's have a conversation. Alrighty, so we've we've talked about your your background with barbecue now and we've 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 had a bit of a chat about your competition experiences. Tell us about Drewbecue the business. How how did that come about? Well, I sort of stumbled into it actually our team had a competition in Melbourne 
for KCBS, the the Yaks one at the race course. And it was only a few months prior that the smoker had fallen off and bunged up Jeff's toe. So we were like, well, what are we going to do? Are we going to take this big smoker or not? And Gateways was just coming into the country and Jeff purchased one. So we'll take this and we'll take that blue Weber that I put a thermometer in the top and we'll go down with that. Well, it got stuck in customs oh. and it wasn't going to be ready. So I was like, I'll try and build one. So we got a drum together. We actually bought, we bought two drums and my friend Jason, who paints all my cars and all that type of stuff, he's a welder. And it was because I can't, couldn't weld at the time. I was like, let's make one of these. So we built two drums. We built three, actually. One was for Jason. Built two drums and we took them down to Melbourne, untested, unpainted, uncooked on, and had some fun and got a trophy on both. So we got a fourth from brisket and a fifth from pork, handshake from Iron Mixon. Wow. And I was sold. I was like, these drums are amazing. You know? <laughs> so I decided we weren't going to paint them. We we're just going to leave them rat rod style. But, you know, the business was starting to become something. And I was like, I can't be showing these off at barbecue comps. And hey, you want to buy a rusty smoker? <laughs> so we ended up painting them. But yeah, that's how it happened. We just fell into it. So build them, cooked on them, and that was it. Yeah, right. Cool. And so... The, the the reason for drums at like at in in particular because I mean most people that that are starting smoker companies are, are building offsets but you've gone straight to drums like why 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 the drums was it purely the portability of it yeah exactly so easy to pick up and move around and for the space on the ground that three to four drums take you take up the same space as an offset, but you can cook all your meats in different temperatures and in different times perfectly. And then you can pick them up and not squash your toe and put them on the ute and off you go. And they're not going to fall off the, off the ute and kill anybody. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it just started to make sense. And then the more and more I cooked on them, the more and more I was like, why do I need the pellet grill or why do I need the Weber or why do I need the other offset? Because they were just so easy and... Went from there. Yeah, right. Okay. So what makes your drums different to the other ones on the market? Not sure. They're shiny. <laughs> They're shiny. They, they could be customized quite well. So uh, recently we just painted one to match a Dodge truck for a customer that has the same 1956 Dodge truck. So he's wanted the, the drum the same. So I think the customability of it all makes it the uniqueness for my drums compared to others. Right, yeah. And so what what sort of customizations do you have available? Uh, color is pretty the high one. That's nearly limitless, depending if we can buy the paint from the car shop. Another thing is like, um, I don't know if you've seen the army style drum I built a few months ago. I did see that one, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so one of the sayings I throw around a lot is you're only limited by your own imagination. You might not be able to build it, but you can work out how to build it with your imagination and then you go from there, so... I'll try and take on any task that I can do it. And if I don't know how to do it, I'll YouTube it until I do. Yeah. So I've, I've seen some things like, um, like custom handles and, uh, different, um, different type, types of air vents and things like that. And, uh, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. going to get back to air vents in a minute. Cause I've got a couple of questions about, uh, positioning vents and what sort of differences that makes. Um, but, uh, so 
what would be the the most highly customized drum that you've made? Like I, I don't know, axe handles for 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 grips, or you know, um, half moons for the vents on the on the top of the air vents or something. I don't know. Well, the uh, army style one that we built a couple of months ago for a bedroom was probably the most customized one that I've made. So that had um, toy grenades on top of the air vents that had LED lights and sounds on it. Um, the air stacks, the, like the tubes that run down the side, I drilled, I found some, a, a bed frame on council pickup, which was made out of like an Ikea pipe tubing type of frame thing. So I cut it all up and I drilled 720 holes and I, <laughs> yeah, I made a jig, put it in my bench dr- uh, drill, drilled 720 holes and turned these air stacks into something that represents a Gatling gun. The guy used to fly helic or be on the side of helicopters, shoot machine guns out the side. So it's not a Dylan machine gun is what he used to use, but at least this way when someone looks at it, they're like, oh, that looks like a machine gun. So we turned the air stacks into machine guns. The handle on top that you pull the lid off, we made it look like a collapsible ammo tin handle. So, and then we made a rocket out of the air stack. The first couple of rockets we made though, because the army style air rockets aren't what you would think a rocket is because they're sort of phallus shaped, you know, they're domed on the top and stuff like that. And when we made it, it was like, people were like, what is that? It's not what you think straight away is a rocket. So we had to make a comical style rocket, you know, with red and white and pointy things. So when people look like, oh yeah, it's a rocket. So we painted an ammo green. We um, printed off some stencils. We actually, the ammunition, the guy used to shoot, we made that stencil hand cut it out, put it on the drum, painted it. So it's the same ammunition that he used to shoot. So just a little custom touches like that. So there was 7.62 millimeter rounds. That's what he used to shoot. And so we spray painted that on the side. Yeah. That's the most custom one I've done. I'm doing a, a theme one at the moment. So that's got some key things on it, like um, gun handles, like, revolver western style handles because his name's actually woody and a sort of a toy story themed drum so we're going through that there's a few little key things you know you know look on the Druby q page and uh, you'll see it coming up in a couple of days that's awesome man that that sounds so good so cheers the the question that i wanted to loop back to about the air vents i've seen some drums where they have just like a ball vent on the on the bottom and you've got to bend down and turn the handles and then um, drums like I like I've seen on yours, where you got the the pipes coming up the side. What's that, like? Is there a difference other than just saving your back between bending over and turning those ball valves and having the having the stacks up the side? Most of the time, it is just you know it's ease of access. You don't have to bend over and touch it. Um, I have noticed though in in some quite windy conditions that the the style of vent, which is just a hole down the bottom or the ball valve, as you're speaking, can actually let the, the wind straight into the fire and blow ash out or, or actually raise your temperatures up. So, but I only find that in pretty windy scenarios. But going back to your, the ball valves that you speak of, one of the common problems I see with everyone building their own drums, and which I did too at the start, is that the ball valves are quite restrictive on the internal diameter of the sides. So I'm like, oh yeah, the gateway's got two pipes going up the side. Let's go to Bunnings and buy two ball valves and be sweet. Turns out you end up having to buy three or four ball valves because the internal diameter is too small and the fire doesn't have enough oxygen to breathe properly. Interesting. Yeah. Cause so, so with the, with the piped events like yours, you'd have 
I don't know, what is that, about 40 mil across pipe. But if it's a ball valve, then you've got a 40 mil uh, hole with a 35 mil ball inside it. Yeah, correct. So mine, mine are 51 millimeters, so two inch internal diameter, but yeah, it's exactly right. You, you go to Bunnings, a oh, one inch ball valve, you know, I'll buy a couple of them. The actual internal diameter is like you're saying, 30, 32. I had, I, I'd never actually thought of that, but yeah, of, of, of course that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Now how do like, okay. So I've, I see all these things about, um, about people being able to cook briskets in a drum in like five hours or and all that sort of stuff. And I've heard stories about, oh, the, the, the airflow is so much different and all that sort of stuff. Can you, can you give us a bit of a breakdown on, on how a drum smoker works and why, why they're able to, to, to do these briskets in five hours? Well, a drum smoker is more direct cooking as the fire is essentially situated underneath the meat. It's not off to the side. Um, so you, we cook at 300 generally. You can bring the temps down in a, in, um, in a drum down to 250 or even higher in mine, like over 500 Fahrenheit. Generally, you would cook at about 300 degrees Fahrenheit. I think the reason why it cooks quicker is that you can get to that bark and wrap stage a lot faster because it's crisping or, or coloring quickly because the fire is directly underneath the, the meat. And then, yeah, there's, I think that's about it. So we generally do briskets in four to five hours. You could do the same in an offset, but you just really got to feed it some, some logs to get that temperature up and get that air going over the top. Yeah. Basically just, just have a constant shovel of, uh, of logs just going into the firebox there. Yeah. 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 So when it comes to, to efficiency, how do your, how do your drums go? I've heard some people claiming they can do, you know, 20 hour cooks on an eight kilo bag of charcoal, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So the fire baskets that I make hold about five kilos of lump charcoal. And let's say we're cooking at 300 degrees and the temperature's perfect and altitude's fine, all that type of stuff. Theoretically, we could cook at 300 degrees for anywhere from 12 to 13, 14 hours. And as the fire starts to die down, as the fuel starts to run out, we can go all out to 20 to 22 hours and then it goes below 225 degrees Fahrenheit and we're not really cooking anymore, so I don't record any times. If we were to do 250 degrees Fahrenheit from the start with our five kilos of lump charcoal, this is all depending if your charcoal is of good quality and so forth, we can see up to 18 to 20 hours plus cooking at, at them temperatures. And that's not reloading or soaking the fire or shaking the ash out. It's just load it up and off you go. God, that's phenomenal, isn't it? It's so cheap. Like yeah. a, a big bag of charcoal is with 20 kilos or something like that. It just lasts you forever. Yeah. It's yeah, cheating. You, I actually. There's like a hundred hours of, of cook time there. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to do anything. You just light it and off you go. So, so this was, that's why I got rid of all the other barbecues. And now I start to, why does people use the other things? But horses for courses, you know, the, the authentic taste that, you know, post oak Texas brisket type of style that's cooked really, really well is you just can't replicate that in a drum, but it's pretty close. Yeah. Yeah, pretty close in, in indeed, and it's certainly um, it's certainly gaining popularity on the on the competition circuit. I just wanted to loop back to to, to one thing before. I've I've heard people talk about the way that the air moves through the inside of the smoker. Have you researched the the thermodynamics of it? No, no, I haven't had enough time to get into that. That's something that I'd really, really like to do. Is you know. 
that thermodynamic type of thing, see how it actually flows through. But I, from using them quite a lot, I can see that it's it's not just something simple where you're like, oh, yeah, it's just fire and air and smoke comes out the top. Because if you turn the lid around so it's not facing at the exhaust, is not facing at the back, it's now facing at the front, it really chokes the fire down. And you can get really low temps from it. So obviously the air passing through is now coming out a different way and it's having a, an effect on the on the smoker. So. That's and I have seen, yeah, I have seen people build smokers where the air inlets are three and nine o'clock. So they're coming in at each other and they're like, I just can't get the temperatures up. It's because I think that the, the air in from both sides are cross, crossing each other out. So there's definitely a bit of a science in it. Do I know all the, the equations for it? No, I don't, but I would really like to. So if there's any thermodynamic people out there or studying it, let's get in touch and let's make something happen. Yeah. Now I, um, I'm, Met you in person uh, at Kangaroo Valley last year, and you you got to show me some of your uh, some of your smokers there. One of the things that I was really impressed with was the the fan blade type thing that you were sitting inside. Some of them. Tell us about that yeah. one. So, as a drum cooker cooks, it's the heat source, the fire baskets underneath the meat, and over a little bit of a long cook, so your brisket, you know, three to four hours long cook, right? Um, the heat coming straight up can cook or char the the center of the, the the grate quicker so you can put a deflector in or a diffuser there's a few different names for it and it just mellows out that aggressive heat raising straight up and that's basically what it is is a, it's a deflector and it just mellows the heat rising heat uh there's there's a few styles out there i mine's mine's a fan it's just sort of uniquely recognizable as a drubicue diffuser and uh just looking at things around in the garage shed and job and that. And he's like, you know, this, this is going to work. So, it, and I really believe it does work. So I cook a lot of chicken wings, love chicken wings. And I didn't like moving the chicken wings from the center of the, the grill to the outside. And then from the outside to the center, you know, if I'm putting five kilos of chicken wings and there's a lot of chicken wings to move, the deflector fan actually makes a huge difference. Now I don't have to, turn them from the side to the middle and the middle to the side. They cook evenly and most importantly, they color evenly. So as you eat with your eyes first, for me, that's important. You know, it's like, wow, you open the lid and go, wow, they all look the same. How cool is this? Do you need one to cook good barbecue? Definitely not. You can cook great barbecue without a deflector fan. Just change your technique a little bit. But just like running, you don't need nights to win, but it's much easier. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I I was really impressed with that because that that seemed really uh really innovative to me, something that I hadn't seen people doing much of before. Um, Look, I I didn't come up with the idea. I just take ideas from all over and put my own flair onto it. Uh, sometimes it's hard re-engineering the wheel because it's still going to be circle in the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, did I hear you say when we started talking about um about the business of Drew BQ that you were not a welder? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, my background is laboring. I've been a laborer my whole life. Uh, welding is not something that I knew how to do. I know about it. I've been a tinkerer in the shed. I've, I, I could live in a shed. I love it. And I've built, yeah, I've built things my whole life. And, you know, I'd get a new present when I was a kid. I was, I'll take it completely apart and try and make it better. And I haven't even used it yet. <laughs> so 
yes, I didn't know how to weld when I started Drew BQ. Um, my friend Jason, who helped me build the first ones, was is a, a painter and body fixer of cars. So he was showing me some things and helping. And as it progressed and we were like, got to make more, or people want this, or people want that, or I want to go and weld at his place. It's a half hour drive. So I can't do this at 10 o'clock at night when my brain's going crazy. So I bought a welder and did some stuff and it was horrible. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. So <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes YouTube's not the best. So enrolled in night TAFE and started doing courses. And then from there just lay kilometer, kilometer after world after world and practice makes perfect. And I needed a lot of practice. Yeah. Well, mate, it's, it's obviously paid off. Cause, um, I, I was really surprised when you told me that, uh, just at the start of this episode that you had not been a welder beforehand because your drums are outstanding. The, the quality and the, and the finish of them, the, the fit and finish is just amazing. Thanks, Ben. That means a hell of a lot to me. So I used to be a car detailer at one stage of my life. So it was about four years I was a detailer and attention to detail is obviously in the job title. So I overthink everything and I see everything that, well, I believe I see everything. So what some people go, oh, that, that looks great. I'm pulling it apart in my head. And so I think that type of mentality crosses over into what I'm trying to do. Yeah, yeah. Now we we seem to keep looping back to to, to cars here in this in this conversation. So let's yeah. let's let's take a bit of a tangent here. You're 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 obviously a a car guy. Are you a Ford guy, a Holden guy, or a import guy? Oh, I like them all. <laughs> I'm an enthusiast, just like barbecues. I'm an enthusiast, so they they all have a soft spot in my heart, and I, I love them all. We got all we got parts up here on the roof, and there's, there's all parts <laughs> over here. And, They've been actually put on the back burner the last, since I started Ruby Curiosity, it's taken up all my time. So I walk past them every day. It's like, I've got to finish you one day. I'll finish you one day. That uh, One day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So current issue, I got two Holdens at the moment. They're both VN Commodores. One's uh, one of my first cars and I converted it to manual, rebuilt the motor. It's a nut and bolt rebuild. It's got turbos on it and it's methanol injected and Damn. it's still in a million bolts. <laughs> <laughs> it was running a many a times and I, I, I do one thing. It's like, Oh, well I'm doing that. I'll take this apart and do this. And, but I'll get back to it. I won't give up. Yeah. Yeah, sounds good. So just um, doubling back to to Drew then, um, you were talking about um, heading over to the States and, and doing some stuff over there. Were you going to be taking some drums over with you or would you grab some drums while you're over there? Well, the beauty of the internet, I just put a call out on all the Facebook pages everywhere and um, building drums is it's pretty easy and there's a worldwide movement of people building drums, you know, find a drum in the back paddock, drill some holes in it, make some good barbecue. So I, when we actually bought all our tickets and registered and I was like, okay, it's getting serious. I reached out to a few people like the, the normal ones like cotton gin smokers and Hunsaker, all the big names and probably everyone else that's traveling over there does the same thing. So I didn't get much of a response, which is fine. So then I was like, well, what about all the people building their own? And, you know, the barbecue community, as you know yourself, Ben, is helpful, you know, that we might be competing against each other, but I'll give you everything that I've got. And so we got 
one guy was going to make us two drums and an actual organizer for the event has two drums. He's like, do you need anything else? Tables, chairs, all that type of stuff. And so it was only over about three weeks. We pretty much got everything sorted. Wow. That's awesome. So someone was going to actually make you some drums from scratch. Yep. God, and we're going to be pretty, but oh, I no, kind no, of no. cook, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah, yeah. That's that's uh, that's such good um, sort of camaraderie, I guess, from the from the wider barbecue community. Yeah, well, as you know, barbecue camaraderie is great. That's why I keep going back to competitions. They're expensive. They're hard. The weekends long. I still got to go to work and do my washing when I come back, but the time you have there, the, the fun you have, the people you talk to, they all have passion and they're all good people, you know, and that's what keeps bringing me back. That's what makes me live for barbecues because of that. You know, you see someone cook some barbecue, oh, I gave it to my family, they love it. And then, you know, oh, it makes you feel good. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good no doubt. Yeah. 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 Now your, your drums are actually um, becoming more and more popular on the Australian competition circuit. What sort of, um, what sort of uptake are you seeing with, with teams and what's been their, been their feedback? Um, yeah, I think I've, I think there's about 10 or 12 teams that have my drums and many, many more that have some parts that they built their own drums with. The uptake, yeah, maybe one or two messages a week about people, about, competition drums and that my actual standard drum that I build that everyone can have. And then that's it. It is a competition drum. So there's nothing different between what I build for people in their backyard to people competing on it. It's the same thing. Everyone can cook great. That sounds awesome. Yeah. I think, um, was it Ryan? I think was, uh, was, was cooking with you there when I saw you down at Kangaroo Valley and he was just in love with his. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, rubbing the fat barbecue team. That was and, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they got a they got a pretty cool sticker on on their on their drums. Yeah, we try and get together or camp next to each other a fair bit because I got four four drums and they have four drums, so it's like eight drums lined up in a row and you know a bit of flexing type of style going on. So yeah, very cool. Now I I just heard you say sticker there before. How do you find stickers that that, that won't peel off in the heat? Um, so we have a heat resistant style of sticker that I get made up, cut out of a special type of vinyl and so far so good, but I haven't really cooked over 500 degrees Fahrenheit too many times. So I don't know, but if you cook it at 500 degrees Fahrenheit, I don't think any sticker is going to hold up. I so would I got a, um, not. Yeah. On our team drums, Wild West Barbecue, we've got a pretty intricate skull cowboy guns type of logo, which we got a sticker made up, which is about 300 30 centimeters wide. We stuck that on the lid. So it's a black and white sticker on a black drum. Looks mint, stands out great. And we haven't had any discoloring yet. And so white, I've been told by the person who makes the stickers for me, is the color that would discolor the most. And after 20, 30 cooks now, it seems to be still white. Yeah, right. Okay. So is that is that more to do with the design of the drum and the fact that it sends the heat upwards or is it to do with the paint that goes underneath the sticker? Um, well, the paint that we use is a 2K enamel automotive paint and it seems to be holding up very well. I rent my drum out sometimes to people to see if they want to use a drum smoker if that's what is up for them. So I don't know what temperatures they get up to, but I can tell you it looks like there's been fires inside them. And the paint, <laughs> yeah. 
On the downsides of a drum smoker, there is a downside to them. They are really good at everything except for one thing. If you leave the lid off for too long, it has a huge amount of oxygen for it to use now and it will turn into a flame licking fire out the top. (laughs) Yeah, so that's the only downfall of using a drum that I can come across. Back to your question though about the paint and the stickers. The paint seems to be really good. That's why you can pick all sorts of different colors. Uh, and the stickers are, is something I don't do. I get a sign writer to do them for me and we haven't had a problem with them yet. And the design, the drums do get hot. You can hold on to them, but five, se- five seconds, six seconds later, you've got to take your hand off. So yeah, there's nothing fancy enough. inside. It's just a drum in a basket. <laughs> Yeah, righty. Oh, cool. So what have you got planned for the for the future for, for Drew BQ? Are we going to see uh, any new products in the lineup anytime soon? Hopefully, hopefully. Like my head's full of all different creations and inventions and parts and whatever. But yeah, definitely. I'm going to start a new venture coming out soon. So it'll be Drew BQ and then also a whole other business again. Um. Parts. I had a rotisserie carousel type of thing. I think you might have seen that once at Kangaroo Valley. I had a couple of shelves that rotated around. I'm trying to be making that for a drum, but not all drums are the same size. They vary in, mm. you know, five, five mil or so. So that's coming along. I'm hopefully get that out soon. But yeah, definitely new venture coming along. So stay tuned. Yeah, I, I think from memory, it, it kind of looked like an old hickory kind of the the yeah. horizontal shelves that sort of circled around. Yeah, similar. You're listening to the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions podcast with massive barbecue nerd Ben Arnott. Alrighty, so now let's move on with our lesson now. So let's assume that that I um, have no experience with smoking and I've just bought my first ever Drubecue smoker. When are you on some of the, sorry? When are you going to buy a Drubi Q? I, I don't know. We might, we might have to talk off air. <laughs> yeah, we could put your sticker on it, that, um, that Mary. Yeah, that would <laughs> look pretty right. cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, I, I think that the, uh, the wife would have something to say. Well, that's the funny thing. Uh, a lot of the times I, I get smokers coming in or people would like to buy a smoker. So, oh, what colour do you want? You know, we paint any colour you want. Well, the missus. It lets me have the smoker as long as she can pick the colour. So oh, we've had right. that a few times, yeah. So I think that's a, it's not a bad trade-off. Nah, they haven't been bad colours though. Sometimes they're baby blue and off-white, so that's okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. For, for me, it's more of a, you've got 15. Do you really need any more barbecues? That's, that's the line that I get. If they're all antique Webbers, you know, it's retirement fun. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Let's... Let's just cross fingers and hope that the weather market just keeps skyrocketing up there. I'll try and cross fingers. I've actually lost a few, so I can't, can't do that. Oh, right. Was that part of the learning how to weld thing? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> <What am> I- <laughs> <laughs> no, one of my first jobs I used to work in a timber mill, cutting trees in the timber. Uh, 15, about 15, yeah. And I cut a few fingers off. Ooh, ouch. Yeah. All right. So the, the drum smokers, tell us about the, uh, about how to best use a drum smoker? Um, 
best way to use a drum smoker is pretty simple. You don't need any fire management sort of skills. You, you light the charcoal and you control the temperature by air, just like most other barbecues. One of, oh, hang on, I've got a notification. One of the problems that I spoke about before with a drum smoker is that if you leave the lid off for too long, two, three, five minutes, uh, we start getting into the danger zone of all the air in the atmosphere now can be feeding this fire. One of the things that I like to do and is to close the vents off. So if I'm going to open the lid and baste all my ribs and chicken wings, I'd close the vents off to stop the draw of the, uh, of the fire. So that will help you. But another tip to that is you could just take the grill out and go put that on your workbench. And that way you can close the lid, maintain temps and do all your basting and whatnot. And, and then bring the grill back and just sit it, sit it back in. Yeah, cool. That's that one of my sense. tips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you're lighting the charcoal, do you go with a minion method or do you just like lean in with one of those big uh, butane torch things and just light it up in the center or do you light the whole lot and let the whole lot burn from scratch or like how do you how do you set up that fire? Well, the drums works like a minion method or snake method. As we spoke before, we just we fill up the charcoal basket and there's, we'll cook for 20 hours or something like that. And it works in a minimum effort. So there's a few ways to do it. You can put a wax cube underneath and light the bottom. I like to just put a wax cube on top and just light it from the top, stack yeah. a couple around. And as the cook goes along, it just minimum efforts out. But have you seen them blow torches over in the States that look like guns? Yeah. Um, That's going to be my new method. Yeah. Get yeah. one of them. <laughs> Yeah, I I was just looking at them just last week. I just the uh, the name escapes me, but yeah, they um they are they look like a lot of fun. Yes, yeah, so they're very easy to use. Just light some charcoal, and by the time the wax cubes burn away, the charcoal's you know smoldering away, and it's got some embers going in that. You close the lid, open up the air vents, hundred percent maximum oxygen, and let it go. And it's about fifty degrees Fahrenheit before you're cook temperature so if you're cooking at 300 about 250 fahrenheit you'll just back the the air vents off and then it'll creep up to its to its 300 fahrenheit or 50 degrees more and from lighting to your temperature that you want to cook at is roughly about 30 minutes wow that's pretty cool 30 minutes yeah and then when you finish cooking you just smother the fire turn all the air off exhaust off there's no oxygen for the fire anymore fire goes out and about 20, 30 minutes later, the drum's cool enough to pick up, put it on the ute and drive home. That's awesome. That's so cool. Yeah. All the ash, all the embers is a sealed unit. You don't have a risk of the fire falling out and burning your back deck. Though if the drum is sitting directly on your back deck, not on any wheels or bricks, it obviously will burn. Yeah. Very safe barbecue to use. You let it sit there, go off to Bunnings, go do the shopping, and it will stay at your cook temperature that you've set it at until the fire runs out. Oh, very nice. Now, mm. is there any particular like uh, drum specific technique? Like for example, um, with ceramic barbecues, Kamados and all that sort of stuff, you have to burp them. Is there anything uh, sort of uh, sort of uniquely drum that we need to be aware of? One of the things that I've learned or picked up or seen from YouTube videos and I think works quite well is the lid of the drum is the whole circumference of the drum. So when you, I see a lot of people just push the lid straight down 
push it straight down on the drum and you actually push all this air in and blow the ash around at the bottom of your of your smoker and sometimes oh, onto your food. Yeah, yeah, right. It's pretty, like you wouldn't think that. It's like, oh, here's the lid, just put it on top and it's fine. But if you put your hand over the intakes and you push your lid down, you can feel the back pressure pop up through the intakes. Right. So one of the, one of the techniques that I do is instead of putting the lid straight down on top, I just slide it over the top and just let it come down. Oh, there's a good tip. So it's like a reverse burp, I suppose. Yeah, I, I, because, I guess it is, yeah. Yeah, you're pushing the air in reverse burp. That's a technique. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you want to trademark that one. <laughs> I've got to trademark my slogan. It's easy to do with Drew Q. Oh, nice. There you go. Yeah, very cool. And so what um, What sort of, I, I guess, how do you, all right, so during a smoking phase, you've got mm-hmm. to put on the, the, the wood chunks and whatnot. Do you have to actually pull the whole grill out with all the meat on it to be able to get extra wood chunks in? Or do you, if you're using a minion method, do you strategically place the wood chunks around the charcoal to burn as time passes? Uh, option B, you, you can, there's a few methods. You can put some wood chunks in the bottom, throw your charcoal on top, more wood chunks, charcoal on top, so forth. But if you think of the minion methods, the same per, same reason, you could just fill the whole charcoal up and stagger some wood chunks around the top. And away you go, yeah. So it's minion method style. So good, man. Drums definitely sound a hell of a lot easier than uh, than a lot of offsets out there. I can see why they oh, get more and more popular. Now, let's see if you're going to run an offset on cherry and do some cherry cooked brisket or beef ribs or something like that. There's a lot of logs of cherry you've got to put on there to, to cook your brisket. So, for instance, in a drum, you're doing like half an apple-sized piece of cherry for your brisket, and that's it. Wow. So extremely e- e- efficient and inexpensive in that regard. The other thing is too, you can go over time, start buying the five kilo bags of fruit woods at, your, at the suppliers. You can end up with a plethora of all different bloody woods and mix them together as you go. Imagine if you had an offset and you got trailer loads of cherry in your backyard and peach and apple and so forth. <laughs> Yeah, I've, I've reached a point with my wood collection where I, I buy wood from my supplier. They come in a clear plastic bag and he hands writes, he handwrites what it is on the front. And I get so obsessed with trying all these different types. <laughs> by the time I loop back to the first bag, the handwriting's worn off. And mm. so now I've got no idea what I'm using. I just know that it's some kind of fruit wood and I just throw it in and see what happens. <laughs> is it true though that um, imported woods are kiln dried and most of the flavor's gone? Um, sure. I'm I'm not sure about that. What I have heard is that some of the imported woods have to be treated. Yeah, in, so that's in what some I mean. way. So I've heard it. I haven't really tested it. So um, no, no. If someone knows, ring in. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ring, 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 Drew. <laughs> no, Ben, ring Ben, because then he can tell everybody. <laughs> yeah, good. Um, but yeah, good anyway, um. the point is, shop local, support Australian. Yeah, good. I like that. I like that. All right, man. Look, that's about a probably a good point to start uh, wrapping up the episode. So I'm going to throw the studio open to you now. So feel free to give some shout outs, give some thanks to, to people who've supported you along the way and tell all the listeners where they can track you down on the social medias. Awesome. Thanks, Ben. First, I've got to thank yourself for letting all these small guys have somewhere to speak like your smoking hot confessions discussion group and the, the weekly posts that you do. It's, it's really good, man. Appreciate that. There's too many people for me to thank, but I have to thank my mom and my dad, 
they're helping me so much. I can't do it without them. Jason, the painter, the paint makes the drums look super special. Like there's a few coming out next week. That's going to look fantastic. Um, my new partner, Stacy, you know, and she lets me do all this stuff and spend hours and hours in the shed after work, uh, rubbing the fat barbecue team. Oh man, the list goes on. Uh, fire brands because the charcoal is really good and just can't fault it. Man, everyone, just thank you. Thank you for the support and the feedback that I get from everyone. I take it all in, make tweaks and adjustments to everything to try and make sure that everyone can have a good time smoking. Sounds good, man. Meat that is, not drugs. Yeah. Don't smoke drugs. <laughs> of course, of course. We would we would never <laughs> condone that kind of behavior here on Smoking Hot Confessions. <laughs> That's right. Um, so just, just make sure that you tell us where we can track you down on the different uh, social medias. Oh, yeah, true. So I'm on Facebook under Drew BQ, which is D-R-U-B-Q, and on Instagram under D-R-U-E-B-E, Drew B. Nice one, man. Awesome. So look, thank you very much for, for taking time out. I realize that, uh, you know, you, you finished your day of work and now you've uh, hung out with me for an hour or so. So I really appreciate your, your dedication to that. And uh, I can tell that you're itching to get in there and polish up some more of those drums I can see behind you. <laughs> yeah, there's a few there. I'm actually like, nah, I might cut it for the day, go play some video games later on tonight. I actually got an eight hour shift tomorrow on Saturday. So might just get some rest in today and get back into it Sunday. Sounds good, man. All righty. Look, I'm, I'm going to say thank you very much. And I look forward to seeing you down at Kangaroo Valley again in September. Uh, do you think that'll be on this year? Is it November or September? September. Oh man, hopefully it goes on and the Royal doesn't because Kangaroo Valley is by far my favorite competition in the circuit. Yeah, it's, it's very cool. <laughs> anyway, Ben, thank you so much for your time and keep doing what you're doing, man. It's great. I love it. <laughs> And there you have it, family. That was Drew Bay from Drewbicue. Sorry, Drew B. Drew B. Ah, my pronunciation is terrible. All right, Drew B from Drewbicue. If you're looking for a drum smoker, these have to be on your list. Now, as I did say during the interview, I had a good crawl over a couple of them at the Kangaroo Valley competition last year, and I can personally vouch for the quality of the workmanship on these drums. They are every bit as good as the imported ones, and they are 100% Australian made. And the increasing number of Drewbicues that we're seeing on the competition circuit and popping up in social medias in people's backyards is a testament to how well they run. So search him down on the on the social medias there. Give Drew some love. He's doing a great job. And as I said, it's all, all Aussie-made, engineered, designed from scratch. So get behind it. It's really good stuff. Now, before we go, take a minute and give this video a like and a share on Facebook. Give us a thumbs up and a subscribe and hit the bell if you're watching on YouTube. If you're on Instagram TV, give us that cute little heart and a follow. And if you're listening on a podcast app, shoot us with a five-star review and a rating. And uh, it just lets the robot overlords know that you like the show and that they should show the show to other people as well. And it really helps us out. And just a quick reminder, if you are looking to upskill either yourself or your employees or, you know, you just want to increase your your social media game, head over to meetandfiremediaservices.com, check out that online course and use the word podcast for a 25% discount. And that's all the time we have for today. So until next time, take care of each other and keep on queuing. Thanks for listening to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com for recipes, tips, and Ben's own confessions.